Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. How's everybody's week? You buy a house yet, Noah? Still working on it. You still haven't found a house good enough? Well, the no, the house, the house we're working on right now is fine, but uh, the radon test came back high. Oh. And so we had to request they install radon mitigation. So I'm just waiting for that response, and then we should be good to go. How does radon mitigation work? Do what? What's radon mitigation? How does that? Uh, so essentially, they install a PVC pipe that runs out of the basement up the side of the house, and essentially it like sucks because radon's a heavy gas so it settles it basically uh, okay. sucks the air off the floor in the basement and pumps it outside all right makes total sense yeah kills all the animals and plants next to your house well suppo- supposedly <laughs> radon in small amounts actually isn't harmful it's only whenever it's concentrated that it causes problems yeah. So you have to go out there and kill your own animals. That's what you're saying. Pretty much. Good stuff. <laughs> Woo! Thrilling podcast. <laughs> it's a nice low energy episode. Huh? Let me regale it's... you with the facts of radon mitigation in the Midwest. A Midwest thing, or is that a? Uh, it's just kind of everywhere thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, we have radon issues here. Mostly, it's like, like completely random. One house might have it, and none of their neighbors have it, which is weird. But I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. It seeps out of the ground. Is that what it does? Okay. Yeah. So every time you have like foundation work done, or if you like fucking with the concrete in your basement and stuff, you're supposed to get your house retested. There. But like, I don't know. If you don't, you have it, you just die, right? It's not that big a deal. Uh, well, I think it causes cancer is the whole thing. So it, oh, it kills that's... you very slowly, which is probably the worst way. <laughs> yeah, that's way worse. Doug's like, oh no, I've been letting uh, Lando play down in the basement. And I sit in the basement all the time. In the basement right now. And you just had foundation work done. That's a good point. Uh, Doug's going to die. Better go get some Canadian radon testing done. Yeah, it's probably free here. Probably. 
It's the kind of thing our government would do. Uh, seems like it. Things only getting worse around here. Yeah, that's the problem, though. When your government pays for healthcare, then they got to start paying for all these things to prevent you from getting sick, so they don't have to pay for the the chemo. You know. You know what else is worse here? The prison system. Segway. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what's what's sad to... is like even when we make a good segue now, now we're at the point where it's like we're assuming it's going to be terrible because that would have been fine. That would that would have worked out just well, but you know. <laughs> I didn't even get to check anything off of my pre-show banter list. Well, no, you you still can. Just because we did the well, segue doesn't mean we haven't, we're not done the banter. Uh, Listen. You bad segues are our thing. So what's what's a worse segue than to segue and then keep bantering? <laughs> uh, sure. no, we're bantering about the banter. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, so Doug deemed February February because someone emailed him and told him to. Yeah, I didn't do that. Uh, Jeff did, and I listen so closely when you talk that I thought you had already brought it up, but we established that you had brought something else up. <laughs> completely different, <laughs> which is still sort of the same. Yeah, uh, really. Well, it's February, so yeah. it's supposed to be new movies we've never seen. I've never seen these movies. That's a good point. Um, and one of them, one of them you suggested was the platform. Was it you then that teamed it up with Spiderhead? Okay, we'll have a discussion about you picking movies after this. But uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for Brian's opinions on Spiderhead. No, do you want to tell us about the platform? Sure. Uh, the platform is basically guy goes into a prison apparently to quit smoking and read Don Quixote, which seems pretty fucking stupid. Uh, and the whole basis of this super prison is that it is a column of cells each with a square hole in the ceiling and floor Uh, at the beginning of the movie we do not know how many levels there are you wake up on a random level each month with your cellmate who I believe you remain cellmates with unless they die and then you're paired up with a new cellmate And each day, a square stone slab of thing with fancy made food comes down and it stops on each level for so many seconds. Um, The issue being that the people at the top tend to eat all the food and then the people at the bottom starve to death over the course of a month. That's it. That's that's the entire premise of the movie. Yeah. Uh, there's some not so uh, subtle <laughs> politics about capitalism versus communism. Uh, and this movie is essentially like, what if somebody tried to remake Cube, just not as well? And that's pretty much it. Yeah, there's definitely Cube vibes to this. Um they really leaned heavy on the metaphor of the prison as society. 
um, more so than Cube was just trying to make a cool movie. I think so. That this one, this one is definitely like the primary goal here is to set up this prison as a metaphor for society, and then walk you through all the different steps. And I think they do a really good job, but it um, that comes ahead of the actual storytelling. Yeah, I, I was going to say the the problem is the storytelling like works until the very end when all of a sudden like the resolution of this movie doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, well, like we'll get into it. Like they try to slap a hopeful ending onto the end of it. But it's I'm not sure how well the ending works. I think most of the movie really works well. I really I really liked it. I think that the metaphor is it's one of those ones where you like they throw it out and you're like, oh, I get it. It's a metaphor for society. And then they just keep throwing in these more and more of these little digs where it's like continuously more and more representative of our society. And you're like, oh, I, I like the way they keep going, the, the layers keep going. And at the same time, you know, every now and again, there's some cool blood and guts and there's that one insane character. And the guy starts seeing like visions of the people that he's eaten because spoilers spoiler alert this is a cannibal movie which is always good in involuntary cannibalism sure yeah that's i mean it's it's revealed pretty early on that that's kind of the only way to survive if you're at the bottom is you know if you're 200 levels down you can either trust that the people above you are not going to (laughs) not going to eat more than their fair share and you'll get exactly the amount of food you need every day or you can find other sources of food and pretty much your cellmate is your only other source of food so so how did you guys feel about i i have really mixed feelings about this movie okay like i think the premise is cool and I, I was kind of into it most of the way through the movie. And then I felt the end of the movie was so fucking bad. It ruined the rest of the movie. And I was like, no, no, it's fucking <laughs> stupid. I don't like it anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page as you, but I don't think I'm as harsh on the ending. So I wouldn't agree that it ruins the whole movie. I think it's like for me, as we go through the movie and we start with, okay, the basic premise of the people at the top are taking all the food, the people at the bottom are starving. And if everybody would just take their fair share, there'd be plenty of food for everybody. But for some reason, the people at the top insist on gorging and eating more than is necessary. And then I, I'm right away. I'm like, okay, it's really obvious what they're going for. It takes about a minute to get to there. But then I liked when they started adding in the like, well, what about the people in the middle who are, they, they, they that layer of like, okay, well, you guys are eating more than you need to, too. And they're like, yeah, but we're not eating as much as those guys. And like, you're asking us to sacrifice, but the pure people at the very bottom aren't going to get any anyway because of how much those guys ate. So why should we be the ones that sacrifice? And you're like, okay, I can kind of see the argument you're having there. And I can see how that works when you're like, you know, if you're sort of the middle class people in those middle layers. But then they also throw in the, what if you were at the bottom and you finally made it up to some of the higher level? Of course you're going to want to gorge because you're freaking starving to death. So you're starving when you finally get access to this food. Of course you're going to gorge. And I'm like, oh, like it's more in depth than I originally expected it to be. And I start to really like that. 
and I liked when um, well, then of I, course there's the there, it goes on and it goes like okay there's literally the one guy is going to climb up and the other people at the top won't help him up and it's like why don't you help him up He's, it doesn't hurt you to help him up at all why wouldn't you do that but they don't want to and the one guy literally shits in his face while he's trying to climb up. And you're like, what? Why? And you're just like, okay, those people are fucking horrible. And you're like, that's fine. But the, it, and it, it just keeps adding those layers. I thought it was really neat. There's one layer where it actually gets to the one point where the people at the higher level are shouting down to the people at the lower levels. And they start literally trying to divide them by race. Like, what are you? You listening to that white guy over there tell you what to do? Because the one character's at this point of the film is black. And I'm just like, ah, it's... It, I liked how they kept adding that more and more of like, this is here's how fucked up and complicated our society is. And, you know, there's the government worker who comes in and says, no, the rules are in place to make sure that like certain people don't get hurt. And then we find out, well, that government worker, yeah, she believes that, but it's not the case. There are people being hurt by these policies, regardless of what she thinks, you know? And I think, you know, that everything in that just really worked for me until the very end when they, I think it, I agree. It goes off the rails a little bit. Well, there's like five things in a row with the reveal at the end of the movie that all of a sudden you're like, <sighs> so I, I get that asking for realism in, in this weird type of dystopian, impossible prison situation is too much to ask for. But mm-hmm. so the end, whenever they ride down so that they can forcibly divide the food. Mm-hmm. It's finally revealed how many levels there actually are. Yeah. In which the total they go with is 333, because of course they do. So that way the number of prisoners is 666. And this is a uh, another very loud allegory for a descent into hell. Okay, I I didn't even I didn't even pick up on that, but sure. Yeah. But the size of that table and the food that's on that table, there is no fucking way it can feed 600 people right. <laughs> you're, you're officially no. you're officially nitpicking no. you're not you're not no, wrong, that's not a nitpicky you're... thing because the whole idea of the movie is that it was supposed to be if you divided the food equally that everyone could survive but th- that's an impossibility like well, even you... so when they ride down they run out of food like at floor 200 trying to do it that way and that's with the first 50 floors not getting any food. I, I, it, 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 I know. It's just fucked up. It, it, it's a nitpicky thing, but it's still fucking ridiculous. I'll, I'm going to defend the movie and say that if everybody ate the calories they needed, then it could still work because there's some very calorie-dense foods, such as the desserts over there every day. I think that's... So. That's possibly true, but there's also ate. the reveal that basically that that thing of food is each person's favorite food on that plate. Yeah. So unfortunately, not knowing that going into the prison, he chose snails in which his plate of food is literally five tiny snails with butter on them. Sure. But somebody picked that giant pick cake that's like five layers. Right, high. right. And so but yeah, so. and somebody also picked an apple. Yeah. So the way they're distributing the food is nonsense. So once again, the the idea of splitting it all equally to feed everyone doesn't work because the 
the distribution of food on the table to begin with is just based on personal preference rather than taking into account how many people <laughs> are in there, which once again, I think is another uh, uh, lampooning of capitalism is what it's supposed to be. Everybody's getting what they want. And as it turns out, everyone getting what they want is a fucking stupid way to do things. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I think you're also, I still think you're nitpicking. I think that, <laughs> I think you have to give the movie the idea that if everybody took their own, because the same food doesn't come every day. He doesn't get the escargot every day. That's, that's because people are dying. No, it shows because at the end, every time it comes down and he's up at the top, the escargot are there. Okay. I think it's the menu changes as the prisoners die because a new menu item's added. Because the, okay. Because somebody else has said, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's just I, fascinating. And then and I, then whenever they get to the bottom and the kid's there, it's like, how has this kid fucking survived? And I get that the mom's been writing down or whatever to find the kid over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just, it just doesn't but make any fucking sense. The kid wouldn't be at the bottom the whole time. The kid would be on a different level every month. Right. But in so, this case, he's been at the bottom the whole time. And he didn't have a cellmate. Well, because presumably every time he has a cellmate, the mom kills them. Right. But this time the mom died before she got there. Yeah. So why didn't he have a cell? Because mm, he's not supposed to be there at all. Right. He, slipped, he slipped through the cracks, right? Yeah. I don't know. The, the whole, th I don't know. So it's, it's, like I said, the ending of it gets so muddled and so dumb that you're like. I agree. Oh, okay. Now none of this makes fucking sense. Even as an allegory, it doesn't make sense. Like. I, I agree. It starts to fall apart. And I think the whole, like this, the idea of sending the child back up to the top as sort of this message of like. I don't even sure exactly what the message is supposed to be. Like we rallied around and saved the child and, you know, therefore we win somehow. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Does, does the message make any sense? Like if they're like, if we send back this pudding, they'll know that we're not putting up with their shenanigans anymore. Well, I, I feel like the, I feel like the point of that was the, like the message of the film was um, like people are always doing these stupid symbolic protests and they accomplish nothing. And I think that this was their symbolic protest. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm not sure if it's that, or I, I think it might also be a religious thing that it's this idea that they're working toward salvation and, but salvation is a fucking joke. Yeah. Like what good, what good, yeah. The the message, the message at the end of sending the thing back up was to be, look, we all shared the food, and uh, we did it so well that we were able to send back this unspoiled food item, you know. <laughs> but yeah, but that's under the impression that this prison is a test, which I don't think it is. I I think much like. In Cube, the idea is that the the prison, while it seems like a test, isn't. It's just <laughs> it's just an entertaining way to 
to make you eat shit, basically. Yeah, and that's the one thing I think the film lacks a little bit is an actual explanation as to what the purpose of this prison is. Um, because you have like the bureaucratic lady there, she's talking about how, well, they're from her perspective. And we learn like, we do learn that she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Cause she doesn't know about the kid being in there. But from her perspective, it's like, well, if we can get everyone to finally like work together and build this utopian society in here, we'll know how to do it from outside as well. And our main character, his response is, yeah, but more likely it would show them how to stop it and make sure that people don't work together on the outside so that the people at the top do continue to get all their food. Right. It's so we don't end up actually knowing the people who are running this, we don't know why they're doing it. And I think that that's a a problem in the, in the film. Right. And I, uh, I, I don't know, like there, there's so much of this film that I'm, I've been trying to get. So I thought that the, uh, at the end of the movie, the idea of the feudal gesture and all that kind of stuff was to play back on the idea of, you know, he brings Don Quixote into yeah. the prison and it's, it's tilting at windmills, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's doing this selfless chivalrous act and it's a fucking joke. Yep. Well, and I think also, too, it was the way he had to violently take out so many people that were below him in order to make his point. And then his point is just this symbolic gesture. And it's like, well, the, the whole the whole idea is to help the people below you and look how many of them you had to hurt in order to right. get send your message. Um, so that's it's all kind of intertwined there. It does get messy, I think, at the end. Right. And that feeds and that feeds back into the whole communism, too, because because the idea of the communism is the only way for everyone in that prison to survive. But the only way to make communism work is at the point of a sword. Yeah. And and I think like that's why what I said is I don't like the sort of hopefulness at the end where they like send the child back up and they're like the idea is that they've accomplished something. And it's like I prefer the movie from its dystopian perspective of like, okay, if we have capitalism, we're going to have a bunch of fat people at the top. (laughs) We're going to have some people surviving in the middle. And then at the bottom, there's going to be some people who are literally eating each other. And below that, there's just going to be people who just flat out die and no one's going to care. That's capitalism. Communism is everything would be perfect, but we're going to have to like physically force people to behave that way. We're going to have to like beat them with the fucking wooden staffs that we've made out of our beds in order to force them to live this utopian lifestyle, which obviously makes it not a utopian lifestyle. So neither system works. And this dream of everybody taking their fair share and only and helping the people below them out of the kindness of their hearts is just, it's never going to happen. Right. Well, they also brought in, so there's, there's this philosophical idea of the only fair way to design a society is you have to design it blind. So the idea is whenever you're stratifying or classifying or dividing peoples, you have to do it from the perspective of you don't know which category or group you will end up in. Right. 
because it's the only way to keep you from saying, well, my class is going to be the better class and your class is going to be the worst class. And in part of the I mean, and it's very immediate in the movie that they set up that idea. So each month you don't know where you're going to be in the stack. Therefore, it behooves you each iteration to behave and to assist the people below you because next month you might be the one at the bottom. Yeah. But his, the psycho roommate pretty much shoots that out of the water at the beginning of the movie by being your typical American piece of shit guy who's like, no, when you're at the top, you eat a bunch and fuck them. And when they're above you, they're going to screw you because they're bastards. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty much the way everybody looks at the world. And that's why we're that's, all fucked. Yeah. But I, th I think they present the in, in an interesting way, too, where it's like, yes, like what you're saying is correct. But also asking people who are at the top to sacrifice, knowing full well they could be at the bottom next month and probably no one's going to sacrifice for them. You know, it becomes this you're asking for a lot of uh, a lot of just very moral behavior with no be no personal benefit whatsoever and possibly personal harm in the long run. And it's right. That, that's a lot to ask of people. You know, you can sit here and say what the right thing to do is all the time. But at the end of the day, are, are you, are you going to risk that you you go hungry while you have the opportunity to get food and next month you don't get anything? You know? It's uh, in in some ways it's a it, a complex movie because it's trying to mirror a complex society. Yeah. Now the other thing that we need to talk about is that this is a good fucking horror movie, right? Like, put all the politics aside. The guy's first roommate is somebody who's like mentally insane and got so mad at an infomercial that he threw his TV out the window and it killed a guy. So he's in prison and he insists he did nothing wrong because it's not his fault he was mad. That was the infomercial's fault. And that guy was an illegal immigrant, so he shouldn't have been walking there anyway. If he'd been back in his own country, the TV wouldn't <laughs> have landed on him. So why am I in jail? <laughs> and they're all allowed to bring in one object. Of course, what did he bring in? The knife from the fucking infomercial. <laughs> so he's now you're sleeping in a room with a crazy person who's got a knife. <laughs> it's so fun to watch. <laughs> and when he, when he finally ends up like when that guy the crazy guy finally ends up tying up our main character and he's got him on the bed and he's like cutting pieces of flesh off of him and then eventually you know tides are turned and our main character has to kill and eat him instead and you're like fuck the, the blood and the guts and the uh, stabby stabby motions and noises are all fun man Fucking maggots show up and yeah, so fucking gross. Unnecessary murder of a dog. Yeah. Oh, highly unnecessary. <laughs> well, that guy goes running over there to break up that fight between the two women because it's for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. The woman at, that rides down every time looking for her son, she ends up sort of befriending our main character. So every time she gets off at like his cell. And she ends, she's the one that ends up killing a dog, but then she's almost she's like getting into a fight with the lady who brought her dog. 
So why would you fucking bring your dog? It's a horrible idea. Because she can't live without it, man. You know, well, she's going to learn to when it's killed prison, which is exactly what happened. Yes. Well, I think, I think maybe she was supposed to represent, uh, as, as far as the politics of the movie, she's supposed to be the pseudo-corporate liberal people. Yeah. So, so the ones who insist, oh, you know, no, it all works out. We all just need to work together and shit. And it's like, okay, we should do that. Yeah, but I brought my dog in instead of something useful. Like, well, fuck you in your face. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's middle class people who think the system's working because they're doing okay. And they're like, if everybody would just, you know, like, 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 like middle class people who say, well, everyone should just go to college. That way they could get a better job too. And it's like, well, yeah, but not everyone has the opportunity. And they're like, well, if you try hard, and it's like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> like not everyone can just try hard and automatically do better. That's not how our society is set up. You just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Exactly. Yeah, that's Which, You know, and it's like, like, and, and, you know, like we're, we're all probably guilty of it at some point of looking at somebody who's in a worse situation than us and thinking, well, they must have made bad decisions. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes they've done the best they can, given where they started, you know. But it's, yeah, I, I, I like that the movie is complex like that. Yeah, there's tons of like even just hidden stuff within other meanings that you can sort of just extrapolate and or just paste onto it and be like, Oh, that works weirdly enough. Yeah. And I think like, uh, yeah, depending on your personal views, looking at the movie, how you're going to interpret it, I think is, it's going to matter too. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it one way, it's, uh, your, your place in society is not necessarily determined on your worth, but just wherever you happen to fall. And guess what? Someone else gets to choose when you change places and what sort of level you'll be on. Yeah. And, you know, so it goes back and forth. Mm -hmm. And they can take everything away from you. They could give you uh, all the food in the world. But in reality, it's not really your, not really your call. You just kind of have to go along with it. What the what the what did this first roommate keep talking about? He was he was going to have a degree after he left. Our, our main character is was going to it was part of the deal. That's why he went in there was they were going to give him a degree. He served six months, and he his whole thing was he wanted to quit smoking and he wanted to have time to read his book. And they said, well, if you serve six months, you'll get a degree when you get out. Right. So that's that whole concept was there. And then the other guy who was there as punishment for his crime or I think he was, I think he was told he could either go there or a mental institution and picked there. Um, but he was, he kept saying, well, if I'm here way longer than you, I should get more degrees than you. And it's like, well, no, but you're here as a punishment. And that guy's here as trying to better himself. Yeah. 
And I'm which like, is, I, I, I tried is, to read into that. I tried to read into it. Like, is that like a metaphor for student debt or something like where, how like uh, you end up punishing yourself and living the same life as somebody who's done something wrong just because you're trying to better yourself. And I couldn't quite piece it together. Uh, I pushed onto it a military metaphor, um, which I don't know. Cause what is this movie? This movie is like, it's Spanish Dutch, or something. Spanish, Spanish. That's what it was. It was Spanish. I don't know how it works in other countries, but, um, and this wouldn't be something they're thinking of if it's a Spanish movie, but something I was able to paste onto it is that in America, you can essentially get money to go to college if you go into the military. Yes. And that is a lot of what they use in their recruitment is like, Hey, come in, you know, you'll get the GI bill. We'll pay for your college when you're done. And so, I mean, a lot of this, like I was able to push onto the movie. It's like, oh yeah, that's totally what this is. Like, you know, go in for six months, come out, you'll have a degree, but guess what? (laughs) You're going to live through some horrible fucking shit the entire time. You're probably going to be horribly emotionally scarred by the time you get out. And there's even a possibility you might not even make it out. And like, I was able, like just watching this movie thinking like, oh shit, like that's, that's exactly what what that means, even if they weren't intentionally putting it that into the movie for that specific reason. It was enough that I could just project yeah. that onto it and unfortunately it made complete sense. Yeah, no, and that and like like I don't know in every country in the world what the equivalent to that is, but there's there probably yeah. is something similar to that where I mean, I don't think I don't think there's any military in the world where it's the richest 1% or the ones sending their kids and the poor kids are all st- at home saying, thank you very much for defending us. I don't think that's ever how it's worked <laughs> in the history of time. Yeah. It's, you know, it's always the people who, who need it, who go yeah. into the military because it's a, a good job because it, you know, because it does provide opportunity because you, when you, if you, if you make it through, when you get home, you'll have a better life. And that's, that's actually really interesting. I hadn't picked up on that, you know, but I hadn't, I, I just didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, there's all kinds of stuff, even if it's not the intention, it's weird that you can just paste a bunch of stuff onto this movie yeah. and it still make complete sense. Well, and I mean, that's to give the film credit. It's thought provoking in that way. And it allows you to kind of put your views into it which is what good art does, right? Like good art doesn't tell you a message. It asks you a question and lets you figure it out. It lets you figure out what you want to, to mean, what you want it to mean, right? Mm. And that's what this film yeah. I think does in a lot of ways. Like I definitely think there are, you know, like if, if this film had been more successful and had become a, a topic of conversation in like mainstream media and stuff, you could definitely see the left wing people talking about how this is a combination of capitalism and how like, look at how these people at the top are gorging themselves blah, blah, and then turn around and have, you know, Tucker Carlson talking about how this film perfectly explains why communism will never work because look at how they had to beat these people down in order to force them not to eat when they were hungry. And you know what I mean? Like you could easily see how different people could take their own views and just kind of force it into the film. And you could never really tell any of them they're wrong. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I do agree the ending gets really sloppy towards the end. Yeah. 
And I feel like if, if there's a way you could end the story differently, it would serve the movie a lot better. I almost feel like you don't want to end the movie. Like that aside, like I, I would think the movie would work better because it is this, this allegory for life. If it just, you know, he woke up on month six and he was on floor 42 or something like random where it's kind of in the middle and none of the problems had been solved and there was no resolution and the movie just ended with him still in the prison. I think that almost makes more sense than ending forcing a climax into the film. Yeah. Apparently there was a reference I missed. The number 333 apparently is associated with some 15th century demonologist writer. Okay. With so it's some Ch- Charanzon or some demon who is the last obstacle before you achieve enlightenment, essentially. Okay. If if you're going to ascend to enlightenment, you have to pass that demon. So which there you would go. be which would be interesting because that that adds to the idea that the prison is hell and that the the child was actually like a test instead of a uh, actual being yeah which might make a little bit more sense the child being in the prison just makes no sense greatly annoys Noah for even being there it does Noah and his anti-child mentality <laughs> I mean I, I the child's there because the, the metaphor works that hey we think we have these safeguards in place but they're not going to protect everyone because we're allowing things to be terrible and there's going to be people innocent people who are affected by the terribleness that, that that's why the child's there Again, a lot isn't explained in this movie from like the perspective of like like most of the people we don't know why they're in there. We don't know what percentage of them are in there voluntarily and what percentage of them aren't. We don't know who runs this. We don't know if anything, right? No. We see that there's like a formal like uh gourmet kitchen at the top that they take yep. very, very seriously. Yep. Other than that, we have no idea. I'd be curious too, like, because this is a foreign film, like, is anything we're saying what they'd be getting from it if they were watching it in like their original language in their original home Uh, country? Or would they have a completely different view of it because they obviously have a different history and a different life experience, right? So from that perspective, it could be really interesting to like learn another language and then go listen to podcasts in that language. But that does take a lot of work. Somebody who lives in Spain, just email us, let us know. That'd be great, yeah. yeah. That might be a lot better than us studying Spanish for a couple years and then... <laughs> going through a backlog of catalogs and then there's a paywall on the podcast. We're like, God damn it, waited too long to download this. It's <laughs> a whole thing. <laughs> I, I do remember watching it and thinking with the, you know some of the religious overtones, I was like, if this prison's supposed to be hell, the fact that he's reading Don Quixote and not Dante makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be two on the nose. 
God, I don't think this movie could be more on the nose. <laughs> so the fact that it's not Dante is a little weird. I don't know what Don Quixote is, to be totally honest. I don't know that story, so. No. He, he is an old man who wants to become a knight. And he kind he either goes crazy or is pretending to be crazy. I think the book's a little ambiguous. But he there's things like he attacks a bunch of giants, which are just windmills. So he's jousting with a windmill. <laughs> yeah. That's that utterly absurd. Like, but it, but it's I'd like, like a, to see that. It's like a super meta movie though. Doesn't he realize that he's a character in a book at some point and yeah, goes on I, his journey? Or so I've never read it, but I've heard talk about it. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting read. Like it's, like I said, it's it's interesting that it's ambiguous as to whether or not he's actually crazy or not. Because his behavior in the book suggests that he's crazy, but. Part of that is just this this fantasy of wanting to be a knight and be, you know, have a great story. And does it matter if that story is not necessarily true? Yeah, and uh, Terry Gilliam made a movie loosely based on it. It was like a famous one that he was working on that kept getting like interrupted and then he finally ended up finishing it. Now, now I'm curious about the film versions of this because I just want to watch a guy joust with a... I know there's probably a lot of hidden meanings. I just want to go watch a guy joust with a windmill. <laughs> I Isn't there a version of it that's got... Louis Guzman in it. Or no, that's Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, the film uh, version has John Lithgow and Bob Hoskins in it, though. Uh, the Man Who Killed Don Quixote is the Terry Gilliam one. Okay. Uh, and this one has Adam Driver in it. But Terry Gilliam had been working on this forever. Like, Johnny Depp was the main character for a lot of years, and we started filming it and some like monsoon like destroyed the entire like set or whatever. So they had to shut it down and then came back like 15 years later to try to do it again. Right. Well, we'll talk about that when it gets added to the list. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was good. I was yeah, glad I watched I, it. I liked it a lot. I like again. I think what the thing we haven't talked about enough is how good it works as a horror film. The blood, the guts, the atmosphere. You know, the eating human flesh live on screen by cutting, literally cutting it off, and then well, even the like sort of um, existential terror, like because there's points where they wake up and they realize, like, oh fuck, I'm on a horrible, yeah, horrible level that I'm never going to get to eat, and then like as the people are sitting there talking for the next couple of minutes, you hear screams in the background as his roommate tells him like, Oh, other people are waking up and realizing what level they're on. Yeah. And people even like fucking just jump and kill themselves. That one moment where the body just falls by 
And you're just like, Jesus Christ, like that got me out of nowhere. <laughs> I liked it. So, yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't know. This movie's a pretty big recommend for me. I don't know why I never considered watching it before. I think I thought it was more of just like a sci-fi film about a prison kind of thing. Mm. I don't think I realized what I was getting into when I started watching it. So it was, it was good. Um. I don't know if you read the trivia or not, but they're going down the platform. Apparently the two guys in the waiting pool just Mm -hmm. sitting in there for no reason. That was the script writers for the movie. Okay. I got a chuckle out of that moment. Is it's just like, they're just like somebody brought in like a kiddie pool, (laughs) like it's, (laughs) which I can kind of see like, uh, like, yeah, I mean, sure. Why not wake up every month and fill it up on your new level and, (laughs) <laughs> what else are you doing? Uh, all right. Anything else? No, it sounds like it's like a movie that we all recommend, which is yeah. Just be nice. aware of the ending. Yeah, the ending's a little rough, but it's all right. Yeah. I mean, the, like, the journey like said, there. It's a, it's a less it's a less good version of Cube, but Cube's amazing. So yeah. it doesn't doesn't necessarily mean this is bad. Anybody say this is as better or worse than Cube 2? Oh, it's been too long. Don't make me put Cube 0 on the list. <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't I've hate Cube 0. I, I've seen them all. I didn't hate any of them, but it's been so long that I can't get too into it. Cube 2 was weird. Is that hyper hypercube? Is that yeah, that's that's the one where everything gets even more science fiction, which doesn't seem necessary. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like the original Saw, but like toned way down. Yeah, just people wake up in a weird place. There's rooms that are trapped, booby trapped, and some people get hurt very badly in unique ways. Well, and and I love the fact that Cube's got the exact same theme of they set it up so that if everyone just gets along, they have everything they need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Doug, why don't you tell us about Spiderhead, which is the movie you picked to team up with this movie? <laughs> Get the anger out of your voice first, <laughs> and then I will. <laughs> Um, Spiderhead is another futuristic prison movie, and basically, um, people who are in prison for various reasons have signed up for a program where they're basically going to be guinea pigs in a a drug testing thing, where these drugs control your emotions, and in exchange for that, they live in a very very nice space instead of a traditional prison. And Chris Hemsworth is the guy that is running the experiments. And he basically has developed all these different drugs that can make you like immediately fall in love with the person you see or go crazy or like basically any emotion. They can just amp it up on control. And so they all wear these packs that are tied into their system with the different drugs loaded into it. And he can basically on his iPhone just insert whatever he wants into it at any given time and he's experimenting on them trying to get it to work 
So Miles Teller is the main character, I assume, because I don't know who Miles Teller is, but his name was on the poster. Um, he's, and he's the main guy we're following in the prison. Whatever, whoever he is, he's doing a John Cusack impersonation the whole movie, and I'm like, all right. <laughs> it's interesting that you went with that route. But, um, yeah, basically he gets in there and he starts to feel very strange emotions because he's falling for this girl that's in the prison, but then they're basically forcing him to have sex with different people because they put them in a room together and give them both the love drug kind of thing. Um, And at one point they're trying to force him to give this, I forget what they call it, but it's just basically it instills paranoia in you. And uh, he doesn't want to give it to other people because he's had it done to him and he remembers how horrible it feels. And he's the one that ends up basically discovering that this whole thing is a plot to develop a drug that'll basically just control you so you'll do whatever you're told because Chris Hemsworth character is sad that his dad abandoned him as a child so he wants to make sure everybody has to do the right thing always going forward and then once again we get a tagged on stupid ending which is they try, to, <laughs> they try to escape and call the cops and Chris Hemsworth tries to fly away and crashes his plane and spoiler alert so we we talked about the last movie about how it's politics isn't subtle mm-hmm. for fuck's sakes. This is a five and a half hour movie. This entire point is like geniuses like Steve Jobs are assholes. That's <laughs> that's the entire like this. This movie has no depth to it. It's, it's just Steve it's, Jobs. It's is one evil. I- it's one hour and 47 minutes long for the record. <laughs> Nine hours and 57. <laughs> um, I don't think there's a message in this movie. I don't. I don't either. I, I think you're. No, you're, it's not a message. It's just flagrant it's, politics. It's, I, it's just not, it's just Elon it's not, Musk and Steve Jobs and everybody. Are no, but it's not that it's are, like we all already know that. OK, but the like the main character is. He is one of these rich quote-unquote genius douchebag assholes who doesn't really care about other people and stuff that he is one of those types of characters be it a musk or a a steve jobs or whatever you want to call it name is literally steve and they dress him like steve (laughs) but there's no there's no message there that's not the point of this movie at all you're you're taking that it's it's like anything else you you use real world as ways to create your characters and that is that is a caricature that exists in our society like these the 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 quote-unquote likable billionaire genius is a caricature that exists in our society and they've built a character around that for the purposes of this story but I, I don't think there's any message whatsoever. I don't think there's any secret that he's an asshole from the start of the movie. Like to me, that's where the flaw of the film comes is that there's very little tension in the movie because I think that the main character is supposed to be figuring out what's really going on, but it's like not, what's really going on is happening right in front of us the whole time. Um, it's done in kind of a lighthearted way, but when they started administering love drugs to people and those people are like now having sex, it's like, you just technically raped both of those people. Like, that's not cool, man. You shouldn't be doing that to human beings regardless. So when it comes out that like, Oh, he's trying to control all their behaviors and it's like, well, he's already kind of doing that. Like what's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah. The only, 
The only two clever moments in this movie both involve the guy who eats too much. The guy that they gave him whatever drug and he's just sitting in, in behind that glass just eating and he like he throws, so, up, he throws up and they go, how you feeling? He goes, hungry. And he just goes back to eating. So so the, the trick, the reason why that's clever is it's that they didn't do that to him. He's just, he, he is a compulsive eater and they were giving him the mind control drug trying to get him to stop eating and it wasn't working. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't really which care. is how they override him at the end, too, because they basically said, here's the keys to go eat. And he instantly, the the drug quit working on him again because he wants to eat. <laughs> okay. I don't even think I picked up on that. Yeah. I didn't put much thought into this movie. Yeah, like I said, it's the only clever. Both, of, both instances, it's the only clever thing in the entire movie is those two things because – you think that they've put him on a drug to make him keep eating, but that's not what it was. They were trying to get him to stop eating using the mind control drug and getting frustrated that it wasn't working. I did get a clever, I, I thought it was a fun joke at least when uh, he's in the room and then the same room where he's, we've seen him in there twice before and both times he had sex with the women that he was put in the room with because of the drugs. And then the third time he sits down and that giant Australian guy covered in tattoos comes in and he's like, no, 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 no. And they're like, relax, <laughs> relax. We're testing a different drug today. I got a kick out of that. There was like, I thought there was a lot of actually like little fun moments. Like when, uh, when he gets put in the room with like the older lady and she's like all excited. Cause she knows that they're going to, give them with like both the drug and they're going to end up banging. I thought that was fun. She's like all excited. She's like yelling, like acknowledge, acknowledge so that they'll give her the drug faster. <laughs> Stuff like that. I thought, I thought the, I thought the, a lot of the fun of the movie really worked well. So, um, surprisingly, even though you've inferred it, I actually didn't hate this movie. I thought it had some interesting ideas. Okay. You sounded like you hated it. Well, the thing I hated about it, which is the stuff you're bringing up, and I think we're on two different pages about this, is I feel like tonally it was all over the goddamn place. It was. Because I feel like it does want to do some of these jokey things, and then the next scene it's, oh, look, we got this drug that will make someone fucking scared out of their mind, and they try to make it like a dark scene, and then later they have him come in, and he they're going to make him choose... Who gets like, you know, the other drug that makes them feel bad or whatever. And he, you know, won't do it. And then uh, Thor decides, well, I'm going to, I've discovered that he really likes this other girl. So I'm going to make him do it to her and we'll test. So they have all these sort of dark themes that they really want to bring into it. Yeah. But then like most of the movie is super jokey and. See, the problem is it's this you can't have like a dark thriller movie from the writers of Deadpool and the director of Top Gun 2. I think that's not how it works. No, see, I didn't so, even realize who, who were the writer directors. Yeah, so it's like I don't I I I I think that the the tone doesn't suit the subject matter is the issue with the film. No. I, I I didn't hate the film. Like it was fine. I enjoyed watching it, whatever. But I'm sitting here thinking, like, we're talking about human testing and we're all having a good time doing it. You know what I mean? 
And I, I think the performances are good, but the characters aren't. I don't think, I think Chris Hemsworth is too likable. Like you don't want him to be that likable when he's this terrible person. Or I feel like they think they're being clever. Like, oh, he's so likable. Everybody's going to like him. And then when he turns, everybody's going to be so surprised. But then, like you said, like we knew from like the opening frame, like, oh, this guy's up to no good. I can tell already. Well, I, I wonder if behind the scenes they thought like, oh, everyone's going to think it's so great to like have these like this drug that just makes the two people just immediately because the two like like it's two like young, relatively attractive people the first time that they're just given this drug and they just start going at it. Right. And you're like, okay, it's like, that's fine. And then it becomes the joke with the older lady the second time. And I can I I wonder if they've thought, oh, everyone's going to think this is like fun to watch and that we're having a good time and everybody's good with this and then we'll kind of take this darker turn when we realize there's other drugs involved as well but for me personally like i say i'm watching this going like that's like especially like because i watched jessica jones and i remember like i remember those discussions that we had around that show when it was like yeah if you're mind controlling someone to have sex and then when they come out of it they remember what they did but they no longer feel those emotions and that desire that's fucking horrible. And that's horrible. Like the first time you see it, I, I don't think most audiences are going to just be having fun watching that. Um, maybe, maybe this is outdated. Cause maybe like in the nineties, that's something that can happen in like a romantic comedy, but here it's not, like, it's, we're not there anymore. Does that yeah. make sense? Wasn't there like a Sandra Bullock movie where it was love it, potion like, number nine. Yeah. Like that's the first thing that popped in my head when you said that. Cause yeah, like they, they it, like back then, I think that was considered like fun comedy stuff was these people, whatever they take, a, they take a potion and then people fall in love with them or whatever. And then and I think I believe there's a bunch of escapades that go on in that film where people are like, just pop the potion and like walk up to somebody in a bar. And then the next thing you know, you're getting laid. And it's like, well, that's not you're drugging people into having sex with you. They don't do that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, the tone thing really bothered me. Um, another example, I guess, is at the end when him and Miles Teller and Thor get into a, a little shoving match in the control room. And then, uh, you know, he, like, uh, I don't know, throws Thor around. He's like, I'm going to get her. I'm going to get out of here. Thor gets up, but he's almost just like, oh, we'll see about that, where he will then sort of, like, know tell it try to pull like uh the raid or the dread movie where it's like hey these people are trying to escape and they're gonna ruin your way of life here on the island you should stop them yeah and you know drugs all of them and i feel like they thought like oh this is gonna be fucked up but then they have like goofy music playing over the top i don't even remember what song it was but it was it's like weird 80s pop music called yeah and then, yeah, the, the joke comes up where the dude comes at him with the rolling pin and they're like, oh, here's the key to the pantry. He's like, oh, OK, thanks. And then just walks off. And just yeah. stuff like that. Like it's completely like tonally just does not jive well together whatsoever. Yeah, it's just. It, I, I think they wanted to make a like a lighthearted, almost a comedy film. And the subject matter is too dark for that. Yeah. Unless you go like full over-the-top comedy where it's you can kind of cross that line where part of the comedy comes from the fact that it's inappropriate but 
it's like i don't know i come down kind of like in the middle on it where i'm like i it's fine i watched it considering like how bad some of the movies get that we watch for this podcast it's like it's fine <laughs> like i watched the movie i don't regret it but i i, I don't you don't need to like there's nothing so good about this movie. It definitely does feel a bit long. Like you guys, I think are exaggerating how long it feels, but <laughs> you can sort of tell they took a short story and stretched it out into movie length here. Yeah. I think it's still going <laughs> again. One hour, 47 minutes, really below average runtime for <laughs> a movie these days, <laughs> but that's fine. Well, it's weird. Cause I started there like right after I got home, uh, and I'm like, oh man, this movie's got to be almost over. And I clicked up and it's like, oh, there's 54 minutes left. And I'm like, what the fuck? How is there still almost an hour left? See, I don't think I really had any of that, those types of issues. I think it was, again, it was just, um, because of the tone and the way it was going, I was just kind of like, the movie was just sort of happening. I didn't really care. Uh, We even talked about the the darkest scene in the, in the movie. The flashback. Well, that's fucked up too. Um, I was talking more about the girl that he initially has sex with. And then they, Give her the, the, I don't know what the fuck it's called. The one that makes you scared and paranoid. Yeah. And she ends paranoid. up killing herself on screen in front of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That one's fucked up. Like, cause they all wear these like packs that are on their back. Uh, assumingly it injects drugs right into their spine or whatever. <laughs> She's freaking out and like bumps into the wall and it busts it. So then it like floods her system with it and she goes nuts and kills herself, like stabs herself in the throat with a piece of wood. Yeah, that that scene, I was just like, holy shit. But again, in scenes like that and then. Yeah, two, two scenes later, it's some weird jokey thing that they're yeah. individually. I think that scene really works. Yeah, it's I agree. just. Especially with the, because uh, we find out that Thor is taking all these drugs as well. Yeah. Um. And so, just sort of his like nonchalance about a lot of things that it just seems like, oh, well, I mean, I'm taking these drugs too. I mean, they can't be that bad. Obviously, I trust them. Well, I she, think she fucks up, and then it's like, oh fuck, she just literally stabbed herself in the throat. I think too, like him taking the drugs had me thinking like how much of his behavior is a result of the drugs he's putting in himself. And you see his assistant is like, I don't think you should be doing that. Like you're giving yourself these drugs. And then he's, and he's like, Oh, that's how I know. Like that's how much I believe in them or whatever. And if I'm ever like charged with something and I'm like, yeah, but are you like, would you be willing to do this to people if you weren't taking your own drugs to, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a red herring. Define red herring in this circumstance. Well, see, I think they're they're setting him up for you to think that's the point that he's addicted to these drugs that he's created, and that's why he's so flippant all the time. 
but I think at the end, the re- it's supposed to go back to the reveal that the reveal is he's been dosing them all with a mind control drug the entire time. And yeah. the reason why he's so flippant in these super stressful situations is he thinks he can just tell people to stop doing a thing and that they just, like, so that when the girl kills herself and he's like, Oh, just calm down. It can't hurt you. Or when the girl's being afraid, the same thing, he thinks that he can just tell them to stop and they will stop. And he's a fucking narcissist who believes his mind control drug will work. Yeah, but he knows it doesn't work yet because he hasn't put the star on it on his little bingo card where the star indicates that that drug works now. Well, (laughs) I I think I think the whole trick is that he's convinced that it does work, even though there's blatant. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, he's egotistical. He's he's insisting that the drug works, even though there is all the evidence that it does not. See, I, I didn't get that from the character that he believes it works. I think he wants it to work, but I don't think he believes it works. Like, you think he, he believes it works to an extent, but it doesn't work enough. And that's why he's still working towards it and trying to get it to work longer and better. Hmm. <sighs> Yeah. Does, do we have anything else to say about this movie? Like we said before, there's not much below the surface of it, really. No, I mean the flashback scene is probably the best made scene oh, in the yeah. film. When we see yeah, we why haven't our, talked about that yet. Yeah. Why our main character is in jail, where he's, I mean, just it's just a drunk driving, but the accident I think is done really well. The accident's done well. The CGI of him flying out of the windshield of the car a little is iffy. Little, just a little, little bit iffy. Yeah. <laughs> Especially since we see it like three or four times. It's like, oh my gosh. It would have been great a couple of years ago, but CGI just advances so quickly that we expect so much better now. (laughs) He just goes from like this rubber, like arms flailing, legs flailing everywhere to just prone on the ground like instantly. Yeah, what are you going to do? It's the best they could do on the budget. Yeah. I did when the reveal comes because he gets like every now and again he gets to make a phone call and he's always calling back to his girlfriend when the reveal comes that she's dead and he's been calling uh, and just leaving voicemails on her old cell phone even though she's dead and basically apologizing each time I thought that was at that moment really worked well yeah and I, I, I liked that reveal in a more serious movie that would be a very emotional moment yeah yeah, I feel like in a better movie, like I would care about his relationship with the other girl in the program the, uh, or whatever. Yeah. I just really just didn't care that much. Like I didn't hate it or anything, but I was just sort of like, oh, okay, they're, they they like each other. Then he's calling his ex-girlfriend and I'm like, oh, okay. Like I don't really care that much. And then. Yeah. She reveals that apparently she reason she was in prison is because she uh left her kid in a car. Yeah. While she was at work. She forgot about him. And uh See that's another I, scene that I think individually works, but in the context of the film doesn't because Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know if it's supposed to be like cathartic or just like you know, oh my God, she's almost as bad as the other people in here or something. And I'm just like, oh, okay. 
like I think the scene is good. She's a good actress. She's actually she's on the Flash TV show every now and again. Okay. Um, so I actually like that actress. Um, and she does she does a way better job in this than she does in the Flash TV show. But <laughs> well, I mean that's CW acting. You can kind of sure yeah, yeah. chase it up a little bit more and be fine. So this is the only other thing I've seen her in. So I was like, oh, she's she's a pretty good actress. I like her. And uh, like she's good in the scene. If you just took that scene and showed it to somebody, they'd probably be like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. But yeah, like in conjunction with the rest of the movie, I'm just like, oh, I, I don't know if this is supposed to be a big reveal. I, I don't really care that much. Yeah, I feel like the um, the tone of the film is too lighthearted, so that you, to the extent where you don't get invested in the characters, and therefore these emotional moments just don't work because you don't. Because the the idea that she's having this moment of like, um, I don't know, like she's she's coming to her own truth where she's like been lying about what she did because she's ashamed and stuff, but now she's like admitting it to him, and then he still says like like look we're in a prison. We're all here because we did shitty things. Like it's okay. Like we can still like be together or whatever. And you're like, okay, that would, if you cared about these characters more, that would really work well. And again, I think the the actors are pulling it off. I think the individual scenes work, but the problem is they're in the middle of this like lighthearted romp of a film, you know? Yeah, I agree. I did think like, like they're again, like the, we should give the actors credit. So I think like even Chris Hemsworth, I think he does a good job of playing this like rich douchebag. Um, and then I like the way he, that condescending way he speaks to people is really good. Um, I think he, the scene where he's given the paranoia drug and he just like flips out like that, like hard cut from being this like smiling, you know, perfectly combed hair, wearing the same, wearing a nice suit every day guy to just like cowering and like hiding against the wall and shit really mm-hmm. works. Yeah. 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 I agree. I don't think it's the, it's any of the actors faults. I think they all do a really good job and I think they do exactly what they've been asked to do. It's just, like I said, for me, the tone and being all over the place um, just drives me nuts. Yeah, like probably like a producer who's at fault who just decided like let's not yeah. make this so dark and gloomy, let's lighten it up a bit, and hired in the people who could make that happen. And everybody did the job they were hired to do. It's just that they shouldn't have been hired to make this movie. They should have made it. I'm like I'm curious if the the short story that it's based on is much, much darker. And if it is, you know, if it, if it works better and if there could be a better version of that story told. Thanks for calling the midnight drive-in. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the midnight drive-in on Twitter at MN drive-in pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the midnight drive-in at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. So not only one, but two pieces of feedback this week. Two? Yeah. Uh, One of them is actually a response to our piece of feedback last episode. Do we have like a flame war going between two of our listeners? No, Jeffrey wrote back in and he said, uh, I fucked up and said Cobra when I met Commando. 
Yeah, Stallone, Schwarzenegger rivalry got me confused. Like the Dante's Peak and Volcano thing that Hollywood loves to do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, try to correct my movie knowledge gaff in front of the film intellectuals of the Midnight Drive-In. I, I don't know who those people are, but yeah. you should chime in more if that's I, true. I just like that... Uh when he said like, Hey, you guys are always praising Cobra. And we're like, yeah, we do do that. Like it's, it didn't bother us in the least. <laughs> yes. We talk about commando a lot more, but we had a lot of positive things to say about Cobra. <laughs> that weird fucking movie with Stallone cutting pizza with scissors in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's see. So now that you're one over, this is his previous email. So now that you're one over, I want to suggest the platform on Netflix kind of dark, but more fun for the prison scenario. Maybe Hardcore Henry. Okay, Hardcore Henry is what he's talking about. Uh, it's an action movie, but because of all your Cobra praising, I'm holding out hope on interest. So he met Commando. Yeah. Either way. I mean, it, whatever. He already talked us into watching the movies. So it doesn't matter now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it does make me want to stop podcasting and go watch Commando again. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very that's, reasonable response to anything that happens. That's pretty much how I feel every week, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, and Aaron writes in, said, hey guys, just writing in to say I love the show, and I got to hear Doug on the Fresh Brains podcast, so I'd like to congratulate him on being the best guest host on that show. Brian and Noah, you guys are pretty entertaining too. Keep up the good work. I don't know if I can agree with that last thing he said. Fuck, fuck you, AA Ron. <laughs> yeah, you done fucked up. Uh, I mean, look, Doug went on and tried to be intellectual by talking about zombie. I picked, <laughs> I picked Return of the Living Dead, which is the McDonald's Happy Meal of zombie movies compared to zombie. I just wanted to watch it stuntman bite a shark. That's all. And Noah and, keeps talking about and, trauma movies. <laughs> yeah, I was getting ready to say, and and, and we did Toxic Avengers, yeah. which is like the McDonald's bathroom of movies. <laughs> uh, Aaron finishes up by saying, "I recently saw Nightbreed after hearing your wonderful reviews, and it did not disappoint." Yeah, thanks again, yeah. Aaron. It's good. Nightbreed's awesome. I'm hoping I'm hoping you watch the long cut of it. Yeah. It, Given how happy he sounds in this email, I'm assuming he did. Listen, I I never hated the uh, theatrical cut. I know I know it's not great, but I never hated it. But I also you didn't know what you were missing. Yeah, I also didn't right. really like it. There's a difference between there's a major difference between them, and one is a great movie, and one is a lot more fun than you expect it to be when you hear the reviews. So yeah. I, have, I have the director's cut on Blu-ray. <sighs> All right. Noah, do you want to tell us what you watched this week? I watched about one half of Jack and Shoot. Um, <laughs> okay. I guess I caught up on... Did I tell you? Yeah, I caught up on Willow. I still have two episodes left. I don't, I'm not sure where I'm at on it. So I think overall... It's fine. Like this, the story is pretty cool. I kind of like the characters. Oh, so I hate all the characters. No, really. And I was like the, the magic bits and 
actiony bits I kind of like. But fuck me, does the music kill that fucking show? Yeah. Whose idea was it to put modern music in a fantasy show? It fucking sucks. Yeah, not a fan. I don't. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's somebody that's like, hey, yeah, I watched the original one, but you know what would be better? Or if it was somebody from Disney being like, hey, you know what the kids love? All that music from Guardians of the Galaxy. We got to keep doing stuff like that. But yeah, that's to be honest, that's probably what it was. But like, especially the original movie had such a great score to it. I don't know. Just a bad decision, I guess. What'd you think of uh, Christian Slater? Uh, I'm a little pissed off that that character wasn't in a lot more of the show. Right. Because he's one of the like the highlights. And I guess he's probably too old to be running around and doing action stuff, but. But I guess I so, say, is, why so not? is Warwick Davis, but he does. I don't see him complaining any. Oh yeah. No, I, I think it's I think it's solid. Like I said, music the music really fucks it up. G- going forward into future seasons, I hope they uh do not do that if it continues. Do you think they're gonna do more seasons? I don't know, because it you know, it kind of didn't get great um ratings and stuff. Mm. But the fact that they end it showing that it's supposed to be three parts. <laughs> oh, do they? Like I said, I still got two episodes left. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's This isn't exactly a spoiler because it's just a fucking uh, season tease. You know what I mean? But, you know, at the beginning of the show, it keeps showing the Willow book. And basically, at the end, the Willow book closes and they put it on a shelf. And it just shows that it's one of three volumes. So all that. Uh. Like that's not really a spoiler that they're planning on future seasons, but (laughs) (laughs) gotcha. Uh, I'm like disappointed because I was excited for the show and like based on the reactions I'm getting from people like you guys, I'm not excited to even watch it. I haven't started it yet because of that. I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It might be, maybe it'll be, easier to digest if you can just binge it maybe i don't know because that's how i was doing it and i still don't like it yeah yeah maybe see like i, mean, I, I anticipated I like, like shows you need that hype you need that hype to carry you to the next episode and that's what i feel like it doesn't have it doesn't have that hype to get you to really really want you know what i mean Um, how'd you feel about the trolls? The thing I pointed out. I mean, I get that they tried to point out why they're different. But that I don't, I mean, they even made a fucking like Christian Slater's character makes a joke about it. Where, you know, he basically looks right into the camera and he goes, oh, these trolls are so smart. (laughs) <laughs> that was a pretty good Christian Slater impression. Well, and it's like, fuck. I I mean, I get it. I get what you were going for, but fuck. It was silly. I, I don't know. Once, 
I need my fantasy to be fantasy-ish. <laughs> and I feel like all this modern tilt that they have on stuff kills it. I mean, I don't mind humor and jokes and stuff, but you got to kind of, you got to stay in genre. And they failed to do that. Yeah, I agree. That's about how I feel, too. Uh, and then I finally started. So I, I, you know, I've been doing my Doctor Who watch through and I got to Lady Doctor Who mm-hmm. and I've decided to take a little break. <laughs> she's not she's not so bad. I just I've just watched a lot of Doctor Who lately. So I was like, maybe I should take a step back. And I was like, you know what I should do? I should watch one of the 75 TV shows that I keep meaning to watch that I don't watch at home because uh, my wife hates them. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I should start watching Ozark again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I because I only ever made it like three episodes into Ozarks. And every time I would try to watch it, she would walk into the room and somebody would die. And then she'd be like, God damn it. And I'd be like, fuck. Okay. I like, I, Hardly no- anyone dies in this show. How do you time this? <laughs> now... I call shenanigans because I saw your wife's Facebook today. She was posting about how she's watching like forensic files and shit and how, right. but that's keeps, real. Keep showing all the gory stuff. And that's the yeah. fucking real shit. Right? No, that is my argument. I make all the time. I'm like, you watch stuff that is real. I don't understand that. How like, <laughs> Yeah, just inform her. Like, you know, there's a guy standing off to the side with like a giant squirt bottle of blood and just like squeezes it when they tell him to, right? Right. But I don't know. Ozark's pretty good. I really liked Ozark. I sadly do not feel like they stuck the landing at the very end, though. Just I mean, it's 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 interesting to watch a show where they kind of they're like oh money laundering you you know he's got to try so hard to launder this money and it's like uh, i investigate this stuff for a living and they're not usually quite that careful about it. <laughs> well i mean the idea is that he's supposed to be better at it right 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 i did like the bit where he walks into the strip club and the guy basically goes i want 25% and Jason Baby's like, what? And he goes, I want 25% to launder your money. That's what you're doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like early on in the show, I really enjoyed the way he thought he was smarter than everybody else. And they're like, no, no, no. You just speak more properly than the rest of us. You're not actually smarter. <laughs> so good. That show gets so dark at points. I ended up stopping watching it because I found it was um, it just fell into the trap of all dramatic television, which is like you're trying to set this in the real world. But eventually it just. It's like all this shit can't just keep happening in the real world. Yeah. And then so I've been alternating basically between watching Ozark and watching uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah. Which I really probably should have went back. I never finished Breaking Bad. Oh, well, you probably want to finish Breaking Bad. Probably do. I know I I probably do. There's something about that show, though, 
that I started back from the beginning and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I fucking love this show. Why didn't I finish watching this show? And I get to about the same point several seasons in and I'm just like, nah, I kind of lost interest and walk away from it. Because really, through. it's at some point, it's just the same shit over and over and over again. Yeah, fair enough. But the but I feel like you you don't understand the black and white scenes from Better Call Saul at all if you haven't finished the show. Yeah, I guess that's I yeah. I don't know. I should probably do it once again. I should probably do that. Maybe I should just start further into it. You should. And just not rewatch the beginning of Breaking Bad. No, no. Because there's only like, what, six seasons? Yeah. Yeah, you should just start with like, uh, where do you usually fall off? Season three or four? Yeah, some somewhere along those lines. Yeah. Just find out where you usually fall off and then just start at the next season. I want to say what? It's probably... Because when does Gus come in? Season four? I have no, no idea. Gus is so intrinsically linked to Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I can't tell you when he first shows up. Right. But yeah, yeah, I should do that. See, I'm, I actually think, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, I actually enjoy Better Call Saul way more than Breaking Bad. No, there's a lot of people that feel that way. The show works a lot better than I thought it would. Well, there's it's there's so much more levity to it. Yeah. I feel like the, the problem with Breaking Bad sometimes is it's so like it alternates between tense and sad. And and that is just emotional beratement on a level that is unnecessary. <laughs> like yeah, I, in the I feel beginning, like Breaking Bad beats you into the ground a little bit. The beginning of Saul is just him, Jimmy, pulling small cons on people. So you're just like, eh, he lost some money. No big deal. Yeah, I got to watch that one. Oh, you haven't watched Better Call Saul? No, I watched like I started watching it and I stopped and I don't have a reason for stopping. I was enjoying it, but I I must have just got distracted by a shiny object or something. (laughs) And yeah, it turns out I should go back and watch it. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was good. It's 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 interesting. It's the juxtaposition of uh, what's so what's the other guy, the bald guy's character, Mike, uh, Mike. How, you know, in Breaking Bad, you're so used to Mike being this kind of mouthy, but uh, dangerous guy. Mm-hmm. And then you start watching Better Call Saul and they've got him in kind of this weird position where <laughs> he's almost like a comic relief character. And you're like, isn't, isn't that the same Mike who just fucking kills people occasionally? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. He gets there. He was comic relief a bit in Breaking Bad, too, though. He managed to be, like, funny while he was scaring the shit out of everybody. But anyway, that's it for me. What'd you watch, Dad? Uh, I watched nothing. Um, awesome. I watched that 90s show. Yeah, I, I've watched two episodes of it. Yeah, it's not good. It's just a sitcom. 
Um, I don't know. It it served its primary purpose of there's like less existence remaining now than there was when I started watching it, but um, that's about it. I don't have much to say about it. <laughs> you you like, know, I, I think I'm a little more positive on it than that. Yeah, I just... There was like a couple of like... As somebody who was in high school in the 90s, there was a couple of jokes that I appreciated. Um, mostly the ones where like the kids all want to steal the old man's flannel shirts. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was just... I don't know. Oh, uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think my opinion is my favorite part of that 70s show was always Kitty and Red. Okay. And so this show is mostly Kitty and Red with just new kids. And I'm like, okay, I'm into it. I was surprised a bit by that decision to have it be. I don't know if it's a decision or if it's a, those are the actors that were willing to come back or what the deal is, but to have it be, you know, mainly them. And having like basically moving in new teenagers um, was an interesting way to go. Kind of surprised. But I, I agree it's probably better than having it like trying to have like. like if you went back and tried to have like Eric be the, the new red kind of thing, I don't think that would work. Well, yeah, especially because uh, Topher Grace as as mediocre of an actor as he is, is is no Kirkwood Smith. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's be honest. Sitcoms kind of call for mediocre acting at times, right? That's what they're there for. Yeah, I suppose that's true. And that's like that's like that's what I say when I say like I watched this because I didn't want to watch anything this week. I just needed something on in the background so it wouldn't be quiet in my house, and it it serves that purpose. But that's what sitcoms are. They're not meant to be. They're not really meant to be good enough that you have anything to say about them, if that makes sense. There's a whole industry of shows that are just there to distract you for half an hour at a time. And that's what the, that's what they are, right? I I do like that they made an effort in this new iteration to uh, defriends it a little bit. Find defriends it. Uh, adding the tiniest bit of fucking diversity to the show. <laughs> it it does feel a bit forced how the way the diversity works. Don't you think? I don't know. I don't think so. Cause I kind of, I'm kind of into the characters. Basically you've got the, uh, the young black chick who's essentially the new hide. Yeah. And then you've got the gay Asian kid. Although I don't feel like the inclusion of that gay Asian kid is all that forced. See, he just felt because, forced to me. Really? Because I, I just felt like you couldn't ask for a better analog to the Fez character without doing another racist pastiche. I don't know. It, it felt like... I'm gonna, it's... I don't know if over the top is the word I want to use or it just felt like it's like because there's a moment where he like comes out as gay and you're like yeah, everybody fucking knows like it's just you know what I mean and it's like it's almost like that's when I say it feels forced is that he just it feels like he's playing a caricature of a gay person or like so it's such an over the top version that it just doesn't feel real.
But. So I haven't, I haven't watched any of it yet, but I did see a meme of Red playing cards, I guess. And he's like, how's it going, kids? And he's like, you're upstairs, people now. And for some reason, that made me feel really old. Yeah. And like, he's right. I am upstairs, people now. It just, there is a moment where they're like, yeah, when they say like you're upstairs people and I think it's Donna that's like, oh, I knew it would happen. I just didn't think it would happen so soon. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of the metaphor for becoming a parent and whatever. Again, there's no, there's no messages or meaning to anything in the show. So there's no point in thinking about it, but it's just, it's just for Kerwood Smith to threaten to put his foot in someone's ass. And that's enough. I, I do love the fact that in the first few episodes, they have managed to, like, you know, soak everyone in the references to all the old characters. Except for old Hyde. They yeah. have erased uh, him from oh, existence. Wonder that, why. Fir- that first episode literally because well, he's a rapist. Yeah, that's probably why. But, <laughs> no, I know that's why I was being sarcastic. But that first episode, they really it is like everybody gets a cameo except him like in episode one and it's like and a couple of like the uh, especially the uh kelso and what's her name like jackie yeah it's it's real forced like they show up for no reason other than because they used to be on the other show and it'd be fun to have them show up for a cameo right like it's and like if, if those actors wanted to be more involved there's a they could be because their son is like a major character, but their cameo is just just to force them in there. So like it, it becomes really noticeable that the one character is missing. Seems <laughs> weird. Seems like you'd want to sprinkle the cameos throughout the season. That's what I would. I was like, I was surprised there wasn't more because I think I think what's her name that played Carla Homoka is the only one that shows up more than once, isn't she? Uh, it, it's weird that way. The rest of them are just in that first episode. And then, except well, Fez, 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 Fez has character. his own episode. Yeah, Fez has his own. Uh, he, he has his own character arc throughout. He actually shows up a few more times. So, but poor Wilmer Valderala. He seems to be having fun being back in the show. Oh, that's good, at least. Well, you know, he had this show, and then he was on Dust Till Dawn for forever. And then I don't know what he's done since then. <laughs> I think he's been on some of those like NCIS shows or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's also one of those things where like he probably doesn't ever need to work again. So even if he like can't ever get another acting job again, I really don't feel bad for him because he's probably still got more money than any of us. So Yeah, but that doesn't mean nothing. Doesn't? No, because having more money than us, like it's all relative to where you live and whatever. I, doing. And I, I feel like if you're rich and you got to live your dream of being on a TV show for like a decade, then if things go bad after that, it's like you can figure it out. You can learn to live with it. Uh, does Big Ronda show up? I don't know who Big Ronda is, but I don't uh, think so. Boo! I was maybe that's part of why I'm like not too high on the show too. I was never huge into that '70s show. Like I watched uh-huh. it, I've seen it, but I don't. I, I probably haven't seen every episode or. 
Big Rhonda was the the big girl at school that used to date Fez every once in a while. I've I've been really wondering if they're going to have Eric's sister show up or not. They might, you know, she, you know, because the the one died, but they did the recast her. Yeah, yeah, the the character was played by that other actor for one season, so maybe they'll have the other actress come in. But I don't know. Oh. You know, they don't. If that spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to watch it at some point, but it's not high on my priority list at the moment. Yeah. Like I say, I, I didn't want to watch anything this week, so that's it's the kind of thing you can watch when you don't want to watch anything. Um. Watch anything so, else? No, that's literally it. Well, continuing on a sitcom revival train, I did watch the first two episodes of Night Court. Oh, really? Is it good? I no, want it to be good. It's not good. Shit. I was getting ready to say that the new version of Night Court, the way it's shot and how clean it is, it looks like a fucking kid show from Freeform. <laughs> you know you're what not, I'm talking about? You're not wrong. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's supposed to be Harry Stone's daughter. She becomes the same judge of the same night court that he used to work at. Yeah. Uh, the only person from the original show is John Larroquette. And his character is about the only interesting thing about the show. Um, I feel like they gave, like, we're going to bring night court back. And then they, you know, put someone in charge of it and that person had never watched the show before. And so then they sat down and they watched them all and they're like, okay, okay. So they want a show that's, that's a sequel to this. So they want it just like this. Cause it almost feels like a parody of a sitcom. Like it's so sitcom and that uh, that's not really like a good style it, anymore. It, this is going to sound weird, but are sitcoms like, do people love sitcoms now? Because like young people watch Friends, which is a very sitcom show, and they really seem to enjoy it. Like people who weren't alive when it was on the air are now enjoying watching it. And I'm like, I I'm surprised by that. So maybe that's what they're into now. And maybe, and maybe that's like my complaints about that 90s show and your complaints about Night Court are all that. Yeah, they're they're making it that way because that's what kids want now. Yeah. I don't know. Because, I mean, The Connors, I feel, still really works as a sitcom. Okay. Um, but, I mean, Roseanne was kind of a atypical sitcom at the time right. it premiered anyway. So, maybe it's just continuing that trend. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, she shows up. They do some court cases. District or the defender, public defender quits. He's like, fuck this. Tired of this bullshit. Leaves. So then she's without a public defender. And she's like, but I think I might know someone who could help us out. And then finds Dan Fielding, of course. And, isn't, he, isn't he the prosecutor in the 
He was, and this is the interesting twist that I feel they do with his character. Um, because, and they've even brought it up in interviews, John Larroquette, that he can't be the Dan Fielding that was on that show back then. Cause those type of characters don't, aren't allowed on TV anymore. Oh yeah. Cause he was a skeezy piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so they did do an interesting thing where some, at some point from the end of the show to the beginning of this show, he got married to somebody he was very much in love with and she died and he still hasn't gotten over her death yet. So he's like living in a horrible, like messy apartment and he's working as like a process server. Like, you know, the people that randomly show up and serve people papers and stuff. And he's not very happy about life. So she ends up talking him into coming back and he does it as a favor because, because of how much her dad meant to him. And then when he comes in, he's still doing the prosecutor Dan Fielding thing in the very first case. And she tells him, she's like, that's not your job anymore. You're, you're a public defender now. And he's like, oh, right. And then he literally just does a spin and then like basically redirects that energy into defending his client. And it turns out he's actually kind of good at it. So they still have like the interesting thing is he still hates people and then has to defend them, which I think is an interesting dynamic that they're That's doing fun, with this character. Yeah. Um, and he keeps reminding her that he's only there doing her a favor. So he's, you know, ready to walk out at any point, which is an interesting sort of thing for the first couple episodes. We'll see how long that lasts because that'll probably get boring after a while. Um, <laughs> And so that stuff is interesting, but then everything else is just so like, so in the original, we had Ross and bull who were the two bailiffs, you know, he's the big dumb one and she's the loud black yeah. lady in the show. And so they decided, well, let's just combine those characters. So they have the big black lady. Who's also kind of dumb. She's the bailiff. And then okay. of course they've got the, uh, the person of color who's the uh, court clerk who introduces all the cases to the judge, except he's like, um, uh, he's like Middle Eastern now instead of because like, uh, what was the character's name? Uh, Mac, I want to say. Mac. Mac, that's right. Yeah. So they switched him out and then the prosecutor's a female and she kind of is kind of ruthless about being a prosecutor. So, I mean, I feel like they've like, well, we ticked all the boxes that were in the original show. Yeah, it feels like it's a lot of just switch the characters around. and Yeah. And, you know, I just and unfortunately, we don't live in the dirty New York area era anymore of New York. Yeah. So I feel like some of the cases are not nearly it's, it's only it's only been two episodes, but. The weird cases they used to bring in front of the judge were a lot more interesting. Maybe we'll get there. Um, yeah, overall, it just feels like, oh, someone, someone watched the other show for the first time and then made the show as trying to be a direct copy of it because that's what they were instructed to do. And I don't think it works very well. But. But I'm going to give it a couple more episodes. Sometimes sitcoms got to find their footing a little bit. That's just where yeah. they're at. But never know. 
But th- this sounds like the way you're describing it sounds like exactly the fear of what uh, f- the fear of these reboots is, is that it's just cashing in, re- reusing the old ideas and not having anything really new to do. And Yeah. And where I feel like in the original Night Court, Harry's character was overtly positive, you know, <laughs> like, well, he's a positive guy. He's trying to see the good in people, but I don't feel like it was as, um, they were sort of pushing it in your face as much as they are in this one. Again, it's the first two episodes. Maybe that'll calm down, but his daughter is trying really hard to be the super positive, like, Hey gang, we all need to hang out after work to really build a rapport between all of us. Cause we work together sort of attitude. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, and then the only other thing I watched is I finished up the watcher on Netflix and pretty much like all Ryan Murphy, uh, properties. It starts off really intriguing and really catches your attention and you're into it. And then when the show ends, you're like, oh, that ending was kind of dumb. And you hate it. So that was my exact journey with this show. <laughs> it's, man, if they don't nail that, Linda, if they don't nail that ending, it really, really yeah. screws up the show, doesn't it? Yeah. And I mean, the actual ending, like the last thing you see before the show ends, you're just kind of like, oh, all right. But they try to, like, do all this other stuff before the show, like, ends. It tries to explain a bunch of stuff. And you're like, oh, well, that's if that's the answer, that's stupid. And, you know, at, at the end, you do find out if that actually is the answer or not. And I'm like, oh, well, then what was the point of all that other stuff? So yeah. this is all stupid now. So, yeah. I hate I hate when they ruin shows by ruining the ending. Yeah, it happens like eighty percent of the time. <laughs> Should probably just stop watching TV. <laughs> uh, and I think it's just a one and done. So uh, at least because I mean the season's based on like a true story, but um, I don't know. Maybe they'll use this framework just to tell other weird stories or just make up their own stories. I don't know. But as far as the actual, like real, real life part of it that I wanted to see, at least wrapped it up in season one. So I don't have to worry about it anymore. There. But is that possibly that that's what ruined the story? Is it just the real life story isn't interesting enough? <sighs> no. Cause I think there's an interesting way to end it. Um, but the way they, I don't know. I feel like it's a. Uh, I feel like they try to fake you out a couple times of what is actually going on. Okay. And, but the way they're trying to fake you out in your brain, you're just like, oh, well, if that's if that's the truth, that's dumb, and I don't like that. And then they kind of go with it, and then maybe towards the end, at the very very end, it's like, oh, well, maybe that wasn't actually what was going on, and you're like, oh. Well, that's stupid. So the ending is, tell, is telling me that the ending I thought it was isn't the ending. That's even dumber. And then you just get annoyed and then, you know, 
Yeah, it sounds like, frustrating. I feel like that happens with Ryan Murphy a lot, though. So I don't know. But I don't know Ryan Murphy. Uh, he's the one behind American Horror Story. Oh, okay. So that, if, that, uh, now I agree with you. <laughs> so if you ever watch a season of American Horror Story and you're like, oh, this is great. I'm really into this. I kind of want to see where it goes. And then at the end, you're like, oh, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah. that's that's Ryan Murphy. And I feel like he does have, that a lot. I think I've started three or else four different seasons of American Horror Story and, and never finished one. <laughs> but it always <laughs> seems so interesting. Right. Like this one, like was, there was one that was set like in an asylum or something. I'm like, oh, yep. what a great idea. And there was one that was set at like a carnival. And I'm a sucker for that. I'm like, oh, great. But then uh, never made it through. <laughs> <laughs> Did you at least see in the uh, the freak show season Jessica Lange singing the the David Bowie song? No, oh, I don't think the... I don't know if I maybe I didn't even watch any of that. Maybe I <laughs> maybe I like really liked the idea of it, but had had given up yeah. on the show by that point. Yeah, she was running the carnival, and she decided let's want to put on this sh- sing this show for everybody. It was this weird stage production of this David Bowie song. And it was actually done really well. I really, really yeah. enjoyed that, but I'm sure you could probably find that clip online and not have to watch the entire season to get to it. Yeah. Just watch Carnival again if I want to watch a show about a carnival. Yeah. I just feel like they get to a point where they're like, well, we could probably end the season here, but that's only like five episodes in. So we better come up with another story to pivot to the last half of the season. And that story always ends up being bad. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's weird because it's anytime they they have these shows that are planned number of episodes, I always assume that there shouldn't be any like complete filler episodes that don't have anything to do with the rest of the season. And the story should have a natural arc that goes throughout the whole season. That's the whole point of doing it that way. And they they just don't. They don't want to do it that way at all. It always seems to be like the story doesn't quite fill it up, so they had to fill it, put like two episodes in that have nothing to do with anything, or they have to bring in an extra storyline or whatever, and you're just like, I don't. But you had you had a plan. You knew exactly how much time you needed to fill up. Just write your story so it fits that. Isn't that what you guys do? Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Doug. Since you picked next week's show, too show as well do you want to tell us what it's about um it's the other movie jeff suggested which was hardcore henry mm-hmm. i'm going off memory here because i did not know it was my job to say this what oh. did we team it up with we uh, teamed it up with uh nobody because yes. it's the same director oh yeah, yeah there you go yeah so two action-packed movies next week that we're gonna really like because we're fans of cobra and Commando. See, Hardcore Henry is a movie that I, again. I, I, I actively, actively avoided nobody, or, uh, Hardcore Henry because it's supposedly just a gimmick movie. So, And um, now I'm like nervous that we're, we've agreed to watch it. So, <laughs> What if I was right to never watch this? Jeff's going to be disappointed. He's like, oh, no, I thought they would love it. It'll be fine. 
I have a feeling that the people, anybody who's still listening to this show likes it when we don't like movies. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a guess, but <laughs> like if you're possible. still listening at this point, you can't be only enjoying the episodes where we all liked all the movies because <laughs> let's be honest. Those are really boring. <laughs> boring and few and far between. Yeah. But <sighs> nice. So at the beginning of this recording, you were complaining about how Noah did the uh, segue before we got through all your banter. That means you got stuff left over for the end, right, Brian? Uh, well, I was just going to bring up uh, the guy that co-created Rick and Morty got booted off the show. Oh, he did? Yeah, because apparently <laughs> he had like a uh, uh, domestic assault felony going thing going on right now. Oh. Apparently his which, partner said which that, one? Justin Roiland. Is that right? Yeah. I think his girlfriend said that he beat the living snot out of her and then wouldn't let her leave the house. So it's like a kidnapping thing as well. Or something. I don't know. It sounds really bad. Um so Adult Swim has cut ties with him completely. They're gonna keep Rick and Morty going. Which means they're gonna have to recast uh, the voice because Justin Roiland does the I, voice of both those characters. I was sitting right say he does the voice of a lot of characters. That's that seems dangerous. So I don't know. We'll what are see. they doing with all of his ten million other animated shows that he does? That I have no idea. Uh, Adult Swim is the only one so far. I haven't heard anything about from Hulu or. Anything else? So. He also does like Solar Opposites and all of those, right? Yeah, that's a Hulu show. Well, don't know. So, hey, don't beat up your girlfriends and or spouses. I don't feel like that's something our show should have to tell people, but apparently it is. <laughs> I don't think it's up to us, really. And <laughs> I'm not sure how much influence we're having. I think it's not some guy like fist cocked right now and you said that and he's like oh, oh they're right wait. I don't know maybe Justin Rowland's sitting at home listening and he's like god damn it if these guys would have said something sooner <laughs> if only someone would have said not to punch my wife <laughs> my life would have fallen apart have you seen like oh. the, the UFC guy Listen, Dana oh, White. Dana White on video he, slapping his wife in the face. Yeah, yeah, but it's like while he's out promoting a new slap fighting league. I know. I was like, out, I was like, his excuse isn't, "Hey, it's just a viral promotion for slap slap fight or whatever the fuck the stupid thing the, is now." Yeah, but I mean, it's you got to find joy in the little things in life. And he, he hit his wife in the same way that he's convincing other people to hit each other. So that's, you know, so stupid. I mean, if you work for the USC and you need to take out aggression, you slap Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. Put on those gloves. Dana getting that fucking octagon. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I wonder if it's a coincidence that he, the only person we've ever seen him hit is someone who clearly couldn't defend herself against him. Well, apparently she slapped him too, but I don't yeah. know. Like I haven't seen the video. I don't, I haven't seen the video either way. This. Not condoning slapping your wife. No. And I, I'm going to go ahead and assume like she's smaller than him and stuff. 
Yeah, that's not really a fair fight if they both slapped each other. She shouldn't hit him either. Both are wrong, but yeah, just I mean, plus he should people. know how to put up a proper guard. <laughs> He's not a fighter. He's just a promoter. He was gonna box Tito. Uh, Tito, what's his face? Jackson. Uh, Tito Ortiz. <laughs> Tito Ortiz. Although a f- boxing match between Dana White and Tito Jackson, I would. Oh, yeah. Pay I, big money to watch that. I'm much more likely to watch that one. I <laughs> That's <know>. true. <laughs> yeah, him and Tito Ortiz had some beef, and they were going to settle it in a boxing ring. They built like this documentary where they were going to follow both of them around leading up to it. Yeah. And Tito uh, punked out at the last minute. <laughs> I just. What a weird fucking world the UFC is. <laughs> Which is weird because he's a professional fighter. What was he worried about? I don't know. I suppose that he would punch uh, the guy, and his neck would snap like a matchstick. <laughs> it's possible. I don't. I don't know. I don't know the story behind it, but it could have been a legit injury or something. I don't know. Who knows? Well, it's but, also the same sport where like. Like one guy attacked another guy's bus one time. That's true. In a full on WWE moment. And then later that resulted in a fight in the ring after a main event. You're like, what is going on? You guys are professional athletes. Okay. Well, I mean, it's Conor McGregor. So, yeah. <laughs> They've been trying to get him to come to WWE because of all that shit ever since. Yeah. <sighs> There's oh, been, well. no, been no news about WWE this week. Didn't they do like, there wasn't like the something, the anniversary of Raw and they were making a big deal out of it? Oh yeah, that was uh, last night. Um, it was very boring because I watched it. It's the first time I watched Raw in forever. It's just a bunch of old guys come out. And well, I mean, say. you kick off the show with Hulk Hogan coming out and I'm just like, yeah. really? Still letting this guy up on TV? All right. Comes out, welcomes everybody. They have a uh, big thing with the uh, bloodline, which is Roman Reigns' faction, which is probably the most interesting story they have going on in WWE right now. So it's actually halfway decent. And then uh, we had a DX segment, of course, and it was kind of not funny because dx and they're all you know almost 60s now so yeah it seems like it hasn't been that long since the last time i heard of a dx thing too it's like are they bringing these guys back way too often um i think they did it last time because triple h had to officially retire from in-ring competition because of whatever art issues he's had so it seemed like he was sort of making the last rounds on stuff like, okay, well, let's have him do this and let's have him do a DX reunion or whatever. I think they were just trying to get those last rounds in so he could just not yeah, sort of close close the book on everything. But then, you know, still carting them out for 30th anniversaries and whatever. Um you know, carted Ric Flair out to introduce his daughter to go down to the ring and cut a promo. It seemed like a waste of time. Flair didn't try to have a match in the middle of it? <laughs> no, he should have, though. Interesting. 
But yeah, I don't know. They did the the big thing they did, which of course, if I went to this show, I would have been super pissed off. Is they had uh, they brought back the uh, you know the APA uh, poker game. Oh yeah. So you know JBL and whoever he's mentoring now, kayfabe on the show, showed up and Baruch, you know, opens the the. <laughs> The fucking door frame that's just placed <laughs> randomly as they used to do, which was always kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. And now you open it up and there's like 10 poker tables in it and they're all full because he's been running the place really good. Um, but there was like pretty much like the majority of the cameos were back there. Um, so it was like the million so- dollar million dollar man playing poker and he loses. And the guy's like, yeah, pulls all the money in. But then, you know, IRS shows up with his briefcase and says, don't forget to pay your taxes. And then takes the majority of it and puts it in his briefcase. Well, that That's was fun. fun. That sounds like this. If, if, I, if I were to track down a segment to watch, that'd be the one. I just like the idea that Farouk is like, <laughs> like since Bradshaw's been off doing his own thing, Farouk has just turned it into like a casino and behind the, <laughs> the non-existent wall. <laughs> somehow no one's noticed because he's had the door shut. <laughs> I like that part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that stuff's fun, but again, it's just like, oh, okay. So you had a bunch of people show up and you're like, let's just cram them all into this one segment and say we had all these people on the show. Yeah. But I mean, that's better than having them be the show. No, I agree. It's whatever. I mean, like, again, I don't care because I'm not going to watch it either way. But yeah. what? Whatever the whatever the show, whatever the storylines people are following week to week, that's probably what they want to see out in the ring. right? I would assume. But, you know, if I paid... Because I'm sure the ticket prices were inflated. So if I bought tickets and went to the show, I was like, oh, most of the legends were backstage and I had to pay extra money for no reason. Were they even backstage? I wonder if they filmed that offsite. That'd be another reason. Oh, I mean, that could be. I have no idea. Um, But they did have Medusa in the back playing poker. She had her WWF Women's Championship that she threw in the garbage with her, of course. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how we started got, got started talking about this, but no, I don't know. It's fine. We can be done now. Yeah, that's fine. Noah's <laughs> asleep already, so I'm working on it. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.